the real success stories told by the people who live them. We're going to have some guests on this show that everybody knows, and we're going to have guests on this show that nobody knows yet. One by one, Nick Heider is adding hits to the hit streak. Blessings, folks. Welcome back to the Hit Streak Podcast. I'm your man, your host, Nick Heider, and I've got a very, very special episode for you guys today. I've got the coaches of the uh, Nolensville Little League World Series team that just came back from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Randy Huth and Chris Mercado. Fellas, how are we doing today? Thanks for being here. Man, we're doing awesome. I know uh, we're, we're glad to be back. Uh, what an amazing journey, and uh, we appreciate you having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you guys are almost fresh off the bus. You just got back. Like, how long have you been home now? Uh, about a little less than two weeks, I think. A little less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and uh, and the journey to get there. So, how long was the little league season that you guys were playing to get there? How long did that last? It's long. I mean, it's a, it's an unbelievable grind. I don't think most people understand that. Uh, you start with the regular season, which begins in uh, February. Uh, you actually start playing games at the end of March, beginning of April. You play a regular season that goes all the way through May. Uh, and then from whatever – we had five teams in our regular season. From those five teams, you pick 13 kids to be on an all-star team. And all these kids have to live within a certain boundaries. Um, so you can't just pick and choose people from all over. They have to live within the boundaries. Um, so you have 13 kids and then you start the journey of all-stars, which begins with a district tournament, which for us, we're in district seven, which, uh, is very, very, very competitive because we have Goodlettsville and Nolansville are in the same district. And both of us have been to the world series, um, before this year, we'd both been twice. Uh, so we play one of the toughest, um, leagues in the entire country in our very first game in the district. So, uh, that becomes, uh, very, very complicated and uh, very super competitive, and the kids get get a a uh, you know eye open experience to see how crazy it can be and the, how competitive it can be when you have 500 people watching a little league game for the first game of the district tournament. Wow. But when you win the district tournament, then you go to the state tournament. From the state tournament, you got to win that. That's all the districts uh, from the state of Tennessee bring whoever won their district to the state tournament, which was in Maryville, Tennessee this year. Then you move to the region. And that's the Southeast Regional, which is held in Warner Robins, Georgia. And when you win that, then you go to Williamsport. So um, it is a 15-game regular season. And then you, we ended up playing 16 more games uh, to get all the way to Williamsport. So wow. It is a grind. It's six months of a grind. A six-month season. Um, so Little League's been around. Well, it's, is it the oldest sanction in in amateur baseball? Um, it is it's the largest youth organization in the world. Mm-hmm. Largest youth organization in the world, and um, and both of you guys have histories um, in Little League that go back at least a decade, if not multiple decades, right? So, um, Chris, let's let's start with you because this wasn't your first trip to to Williamsport, right? So, when was your when was your first year in Williamsport? Well, we started South Nashville Little League in 2011, and then we went to Williamsport in 2013 and 2014. Okay. And then uh, they actually built a school on our park, so we had to move to Nolansville. And then that's when we changed it to Nolansville Little League. Okay. So this was your third trip? Third trip. 
third trip to uh, to Williamsport. And um, and uh, now, Randy, you've been um, in Little League for a long time. Not in Middle Tennessee, though. Like you, you and your dad had a um, a, a big a big role in which Little League was it that you guys sure. headed for so long? Dad and I were at St. Bethlehem Little League in Clarksville, Tennessee. But before I talk about that, I just want to say that uh, the amount of coaches that have taken a team to the Little League World Series three times, and I asked this question when we were in Williamsport because Chris has actually done it three times, and they couldn't tell me more than three people wow. that had ever, ever done that. Now, I don't know the exact number because there might be more, um, but they could only the, – the officials at Little League could only, could only tell me of three coaches that they know of that have taken three teams to Williamsport. So Chris is actually in that category. So I would say that um, it puts him in the Hall of Fame of Little League coaches. <laughs> so when I, I need to reintroduce you guys as local celebrities. Yeah, Hall of Fame <laughs> That's Little right. League coach. That's right. So, well, you know, Derek Jeter's going into the Hall of Fame today, right? So uh, in Cooperstown. And, um, but like, so is there like a, a all Little League team for the history of all that stuff? Like, there's what they there's a little league museum in Williamsport, and there's what's called the Hall of Champions, and that's where they take. Um, I don't exactly know the process to get in it, um, but it's famous people who have played little league or done great things with little league throughout history. Um, you know, even Joe Biden played little league. So, um, wow. yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of lot of things like that. Um, and my goal, I told Chris when we were done, my goal is to make sure that Chris makes it in the Hall of Champions sometime <laughs> in the future. Dude, you should. I remember. Um, so let me let me back up just a little bit. So first of all, I've known both you guys since since kids, right? Correct. Um, long, long history. Um, we've played together. Um, as I haven't coached with you yet, but I've coached with you um, multiple times. Um, neither one of you guys have had a child on the team that you took to Williamsport, which is absolutely incredible. We're going to talk about that in a little bit because of the amount of, I mean, gosh, just you just said it six months, the amount of commitment that it takes to put into that. And, and obviously there's some amazing reasons why you guys do those things besides just for the love of the game. Um, and we're going to get into that here um, in, just a, in just a little bit. But um, so, Chris, you've been to the Little League World Series three times. Um, obviously, baseball is a big part of your life. So tell, tell, tell the folks a little bit about your – so you do have kids. Um, you do have kids. Yeah. One mm-hmm. of them is still um, very active in the – he didn't get a Little League season because of COVID, right? Yeah, and uh, So can't. tell us a little bit about your family and what you do as far as um, your role in, in Middle Tennessee baseball. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm here just love of the game. So – it's just another another way to give back to the community and coach, and this is what I love to do. So um, coach my kids as well as all these other kids and just show them the game a little bit. We have a great time. I mean, that's that's what I do really well is on the field. I mean, me and Randy made a gr- really good team this year because Randy, we, we, we know our roles with the team. We're on the baseball field, I'm getting after it, and Randy's helping as well, but – and then off the field, Randy's making sure everything's organized and everything's lined up because there's a lot of paperwork and that goes into it, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, again, it's just loving the game of baseball and being around uh, this. Uh, so my kid, he got uh, yeah, last year was his year, first 12-year-old year, but COVID kind of got to him. Uh, so they canceled that season so he couldn't play. So he was 15 days too late for this team. But he was also around and helped out. He understood and everything like that. So, I mean, it was still fun, uh, it, but it was still hard. Mm, so I know, um, I know that was something that he wanted to 
do just from being at a younger age watching you go and that was something that was um just from talking to him in the past was really important to him and i know he's working hard to make that happen and you guys have always put together really competitive teams you had mentioned um how tough the district is and and in the old days we always heard whoever won between south south national league and goodlesville they were that was the one that was at least going to the region you'd win the state and yeah. and basically then it was maybe one or two teams tough in the region that you might have to face to get to Williamsburg. Every year since we started, it's a, it's what, 10 years now. It's either us or them. Whoever wins the district goes all the way. So, I mean, you know, it, it's a battle and a, a good rivalry, you know. But, and, and you get to know if you're going to be in it. Like, if you beat them, you know you can go really far. You know, if they beat us, they it's, it's either a short season or a long season. So, it's, it's good to know. So, um, you – it's cool because you have to you start in a neighborhood, right? And you literally you start as a team and you have to go all the way to the end together, right? So um the the I don't know what the right word is, but the the things that people are not so excited about travel baseball with ringers and bringing people in and so on and so forth. That's little league has stayed true to a roster, which is pretty pretty cool and unique and and you don't get to just you can't pay your way into a a world championship you have to earn it man and that's, that's i think i think that's what separates the league from all the other organizations out there um is that it is a community and we've got to see that a lot this year and that as we started to win the entire community of nolansville franklin and brentwood really got behind us and supported us i mean we had a parade you know how many 12 year old kids get to have a parade we had an autograph signing where hundreds of people showed up for us to sign autographs for these kids you know so we really truly got to understand uh, how a community can get behind something. And, and we gave a lot of joy to people who, uh, you know, in the past year, year and a half with COVID and the craziness of politics, there hasn't been a whole lot of things to get behind and cheer for. But how can you not cheer and have joy when you see a bunch of 12-year-old boys out there on a baseball field? That's a hit right there, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Um, well, you're exactly right. It's the um, good news is harder to find these days, and especially um, unifying behind something is like those things are really special these days, and that's a and and it's a beautiful thing, and um, and, and it's through the great game of baseball that we're able to uh, able to do that kind of stuff, right? So, all right, Randy, tell me a little bit, go a little bit more into um, your history in in Little League because I know it goes back decades right so yeah. it was a really touching moment on the, that uh, espn featured you and i want to talk about that a little bit too so tell me a little bit as much as you want as much as you can um <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll i'll try to do it without getting emotional but my father was a uh, part of the little league game for 43 years he was the president of little league uh in saint in saint Bethlehem little league which was in clarksville tennessee uh started there in 1985 Wow. Um, now that league currently has 1,200 kids in that organization. It's the third largest little league in the entire country. Uh, so my dad played a major part in, in that. He he actually built the third field that they have. Now they have 12 fields. Oh, my. So, and a couple of years ago when he passed away in 2018, they uh, ended up dedicating a field to him. So Hooth Field, is, it will be there forever. So that's kind of cool. But So I guess I inherited it. I guess it's in my genetics. So this was my 21st year as a coach. You know, I don't know how many years as a player and then a coach, but this is my 21st year, so it took me 21 years to finally make it to Williamsport. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's it, it it's it's amazing because this year was the first 
true season we had since my father passed away. We were in the region in 2018, and we lost to a team, a really good team from Georgia, who went on to finish second in the entire uh, World Series. Um, so this was kind of the first go round that my dad wasn't there. So we got to do some cool things. ESPN did a really nice piece on him. We had his hat, which had all those pins from all those years. Uh, the All-Stars teams that he coached, that was our, our good luck charm. Everybody touched it before the game. Uh, and I got to spread his ashes on the mound in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which was a promise that I made to him. And and nobody knew about that. That was kind of something that, that we did without telling anyone. And then ESPN ended up getting word of it, and they featured that, which was neat. So if, if anybody got to see that game, again, our first game in Williamsport um, against Ohio, if you, I called timeout after the very first pitch mm-hmm. and went out to the mound and spread his ashes on the mound without anyone knowing uh, our team knew it, but no one else knew it until then ESPN found out about it and they featured that in the second game that we had and they showed the footage of that, which was a, a pretty unreal experience. I never thought, you know, when I told my dad I would spread his ashes at Williamsport, I thought that I would have to do it as a fan and I would have to kind of sneak over there and do it. But to do it in the middle of a game on national television on ESPN, what's cooler than that? It's the greatest gift I could ever give to my dad. So, Absolutely. Like, um, what an unbelievable moment and again like people don't understand how unique and special the outlets that create the opportunities for things just like that actually are yeah mm-hmm. you know and without you know without little league baseball i wouldn't have had that bond with my father uh it was something that that we had a, a you yourself your dad in baseball but mm-hmm. um we had such a great bond through little league baseball and and uh people could see that i'm sure and uh it, it was really kind of a cool thing to attribute or honor to him to be able to wow put him in in the mound in Williamsport he'll be there forever absolutely absolutely well man that's um without knowing exactly how it all went down it was just um the way it was presented and everything it was just absolutely beautiful man it was absolutely beautiful and whether you're a believer or not i i firmly believe he was right there with you watching and cheering you guys on uh the whole time i know your mom was there too right she was yeah, there to make the, the team the community actually um they got behind it and paid for her to go oh my gosh oh my gosh man um, this is exactly why we do shows like this uh-huh. right here is because these are the stories that matter. The games, the wins, the losses, they absolutely matter. And that, and, but these are the things that at the end of the day will, will get remembered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so if you don't get the trophy, not as much gets remembered in throughout time and history, but these are the stories that do. And that's fantastic. Yeah. I had a little kid come up to me the other day and, and he said, he said, um, they were taught his father was talking to him and said, you remember when he went out there and put the ashes down? He said, what was the first, what, what did, what did you notice about that moment? And that little kid said, I noticed that when he came off the field, the other coach gave him a big hug and he was talking about Chris. Yeah. And that was when I lost it. So Absolutely. <laughs> I, was, I was a big baby at that. I don't even remember the first inning of that game. Wow. <laughs> well, dude, that's, um, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you for, I know that's not easy to share. Um, but it's, it's, it's absolutely special nonetheless. Yeah. I didn't talk about it in, uh, out of the hundreds and hundreds of interviews we did. I never once talked about it. You know, right. I didn't, I didn't say anything about it till right now. So, well, that's, um, for the people that don't know you very well, like that's one of the things that's so great about your whole family is, is it, it's not about you. It's about everybody else. Um, it always has been. And, 
and um, being working with you and being friends with you all those years, that was the one thing that like the first thing out of your mom and dad's mouth every time I ever saw him was, how's your family? The, the first thing. They, and they actually cared, man. It wasn't a greeting. That's true. That's true. So hopefully they rubbed off on me a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely they did. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, let's, let's shift it a little bit. So obviously the experience is incredible. And I never went. I've never been. I got questions. I want to know what goes on. And uh, so all we see is what's on television, right? So which is cool. Which is <laughs> that's the fun part. That's very <laughs> being on TV is cool too. Um, but uh, and 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 by the way, you guys looked amazing on television. Let me just go ahead and drop that right there. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? You look Thank good. Um, what? All right. So what are some experiences, some stories, um, especially you, you've been there multiple times. So certain things happen the same way every single time from, uh, the, one of the coolest things I thought is you guys won the region in one uniform and played your next game in a different one, supporting those hats right there. And the kids had all new gear and like there's lodging there's, as soon as you won the region, there was a bus that people just get on. They're supposed to be packed and ready to oh, go. Yeah. Walk us through the journey from, um, so, you know, we know there's district, and then you go to state. So let's take us from state on um, to the journey there. Well, state, we had to play. Where, where, where did we play? Maryville. Maryville, Knoxville. 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 And, and are you talk about our uniforms. Our uniforms this year, this is the first year we were called Nolansville. So we had a kid on our team, you know, his dad uh, coached at Vanderbilt, Scott Brown. So we thought it would be pretty cool to kind of go with the Vanderbilt look. And the kids loved it. They loved it. And everybody remembered uh, and I, we just thought it would, it would just bring a and I, I, I was against it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I was against it, and Chris talked me into it. I was like, man, come on, we can't be exactly like Vandy because their uniforms are different than you know. You see a lot of red, white, and blue teams. Mm-hmm. You don't see black on black with gold pinstripes. There's just not any other uniform like it. And I was against it, and Chris convinced me that it was a good idea. And boy, the kids loved it. Hey, whatever makes them play good, right? You know, so they loved it. They loved it. They loved it. So we just. We we did that and um in in the state we won the state uh and it was it was turning heads uh the uniforms and just making them I don't know I, they felt like they were a Vanderbilt player you know they called uh, us the the little Vandy yeah the little on, Vandy on the news <laughs> they were called little Vandy oh wow so we win state and we go to the region and um so what you go to state how much time is there between the state tournament and the in the region is there a long time do you just pick up and go so in little league you only play one game a day because okay. there's pitching rules and everything like that so it can get strung out pretty pretty far uh i think we were there for like a week week and a half uh, eight days eight days in the state tournament then we had a two-week break before you go to the region that's brutal because you got to wait for all the other states to finish. Yeah, that break right there is brutal. You can brutal. go from hot to cold overnight. Yes. Yeah. And then you then we go to went to Warner Robins and we played. Uh, we were there for for ten days mm-hmm. total, um, and that's when the COVID protocol started. COVID protocol. So we have to uh, we had to get tested every other day. Even, all the kids had to get tested every other day. To make sure you didn't have COVID. It was a little spit test mm-hmm. that the kids had to do. So, you know, just winning is hard enough to have that over your head too. If somebody gets it, you know, somehow, some way you're out. So one uh, test, you're out. One positive test, you're done. One your kid, team goes home. Yep. So we're in region in North Carolina. They got it and they, and they won their first game in the regional and then they get thrown out because of COVID. So, that was a big time worry 
over everybody's head. So once we left this to go to the regional tournament, we told the parents, and this was the biggest part, the hardest part, uh, that, hey, you, we, we can't have you guys around them anymore. And uh, the siblings can't have anybody around them. So, you know, the three coaches had to take care of 13 kids from here on out. No way. Yes way. So we, we, we adopted 13 boys for the summer. Oh so we had them for nearly a month <laughs> where they were not allowed to come in contact with anybody except us. So we, everything was totally segregated. We had our own team pod in the region. We couldn't come in contact with anyone. Um, so we, we had there, it was in a hotel, but we had our own little portion of the hotel, uh, Testing every other day, masks, sanitizer. We we didn't go anywhere without that. We never went and ate any. We, we never ate out. We never none of that. It's, everything was uh, the boys had to stay with with each other. That's it. Oh my goodness! So, so for, I, as a twelve year old kid, how many time? How long have they been away from their parents? Maybe a week at most for church camp or something. Maybe go to the grandparents for a week. Well, they just had a month. You know that they were with us, and they could not come in contact. They could talk to them, they could Facetime them, they could do that, but they didn't get to touch their parents, get to hug their parents, nothing. Wow! So, not only are they learning how to deal with a, a taste of fame and and public scrutiny or praise or anything that comes along with being mm-hmm. um, on a basically on the world stage. Yep. But they're doing it without their folks without their parents correct and there was a lot of little things there i mean we had to make sure that they brushed their teeth you know shower because 12 year olds are great at all oh my god we had to try to keep it clean (laughs) the rooms and stuff like that so and we had four kids you know sleeping in a hotel room together that we had to make sure that they had their snacks and they had all their stuff because you know if mama's not right there you know it's different for them so their medicine their vitamins their um, doing their laundry, you know, uh, the, whatever food or allergies that they might have, whatever their game ritual is, we had to take over all that. Mm. For the love of the game. For thir- yeah. for th- and remember, we're volunteers. <laughs> I know. So we're volunteers, so we're away from our own families, away from our own jobs um, with 13 boys, which we wouldn't trade it for the world, but holy moly, we did had no idea of the COVID bubble protocols going into it. We didn't know that that was going to happen. That happened all of a sudden. That was thrown at us like, guys, you're not allowed to come in contact with anyone. And it was like, all right. So then we win the region. We play six straight days in the region. When that, they put us on a bus, a 13-hour bus ride with these boys to Williamsport, and we're there seven days early before the tournament. Seven days early. Seven days before the World Series starts. We're, in, we're the first team there. Uh, us and us, Florida and Louisiana got there way before everybody else. So we started the testing process again in Williamsport and we have seven days more of the boys with can't go anywhere, can't go to a park, can't go to the, a restaurant, can't see their parents, can't anything. We're stuck on the campus of the Little League uh, International. Wow. Wow. So we had to get creative, play little games here and there and just do everything we could just to pass some time and to make sure that they have a great time and they did all their stuff. Chris also had a great idea. We, we got journals along the way um, and made the boys journal about every single night. They had a journal about what happened during the experience so that they'll be able to go back and look at some and 
they won't forget some of those little things. Absolutely. That's a great idea. It, that was, that was Chris. I was actually impressed with them. <laughs> <laughs> but also when we got there, we did have a little bit of time. Like that's the ES. That's when we got to do some ESPN interviews for the kids and they took some pictures and then we got all our gear, which that's the biggest thing. That's the, what the kids love. I mean, brand new uniforms, brand new bats, you know, cleats, Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Bags, batting gloves, helmets. Yeah. Uh, warm-ups. You know, they got all that brand new. They were like, it was like Christmas. So, I mean, that 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 part is pretty cool that, you know, they earned that. And but, it's stuff you get before it even comes out. Yeah. Like those bats aren't released to the public yet. Right. Those cleats were the new from Tatis uh, Junior cleats that had not been even released until this month. Wow. So they're the first, and we were the very first team. So they got them actually before anybody else in the world. That's amazing. That's fantastic. All right. So, um, well, that's unbelievable. First of all, that you guys, um, like that's a, that's, there's probably five episodes we could talk about just in the week that y'all were there in Williamsport. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, before games even started. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, so what are some, some of the other experiences that stand out, um, about the Williamsport experience. So I know there's a, uh, let's see, um, there's a, uh, I saw uh, on Instagram, sliding down the hill, there's the MLB Classic. Um, there's celebrities out the Wazoo. I know Tim Corbin was there in the in the booth um, during one of y'all's games. And um, um, one of our old buddies, Arrestus, used to do, um, do that, do the um, walk around the stands and interview folks and everything. So obviously the stadium wasn't packed this year like it usually is, right? So what did they... Uh, what was the difference in in that the uh, the COVID protocols for the from the public? Well, that's the only way I know it because I've never been to Williamsport in any other way. Chris was in there in 2013 or 2014 when there were 30,000 people watching that game. Yeah. I was there. There are only 500 because each team got 250 tickets passes each team, so that means there's 500 people at a game. Wow! In 2013 and 2014, I mean that. Like you said, it was a lot of crowds, and the kids actually had a lot more stuff to do because they can go sign autographs. And there were so many people around that just wanted these kids' autographs because, hey, they're future stars, right? MLB, maybe, you know. So a lot of times, those kids got, they they got to go around, and they had actually had a parade there in 2013, 2014. They had, they had a lot more stuff to do um, back then uh, than this year. So it like again made this year that that much harder to uh, even get through that yes so from my perspective it you know it was unbelievable but i got to watch chris on tv back then seeing thirty thousand people cheer against chris when pennsylvania when they played pennsylvania and monet davis pitched um so this time you only have 500 people in the stands it's still loud it's still fun it's still crazy but it's nothing like what you see on tv in a normal little league year uh, but there's still the hill, you know, there's still sliding down the hill. There's still the MLB classic, which has gone on for a few years. And uh, there's still a lot of, of really cool experiences to be had, but we really got, we missed the city of Williamsport, mm-hmm. which that city that's, they look forward to that year round. Mm-hmm. You know, so we didn't get to visit uh, all the local people and this, all the local shops and the cool things that go on in the city. We only got to see what was on the campus of little league international. We also got to hang out with the, you know, the Cleveland Indians and stuff uh, for, 
and the angels a little bit because of the, because the MLB classic was there. Now, when I was there earlier, like 2013, 2014, they didn't have that. Right. So that was something new for me. And these kids got to deal, got, got to do that. And, and we actually had one of our kids get to interview like four or five of the Indians yeah. right there on ESPN. And they showed it. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. The, so. M- the MLB classics cool. You know, the, it was the angels versus the Indians. Um, so we got to see Shohei Otani. We got to see Mike Trout, you know, up close and personal. And golly, those guys are monsters. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea how big Otani is until you're standing next to him. He is a specimen of a man. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't, he looks big on TV. Yeah. He is NFL size. I mean, he is <laughs> huge in, in person. I think that was the first thing that um, blew my mind as a player post uh, in my career post college was like I got there and it was like I was the smallest guy mm-hmm. like everybody's massive Every, like six three was like the small guys like that was your shortstop it was unbelievable yeah the greatest thing about that was our our entire team we're in the front row and the angels dugout is right in front of us for the game and our all of our boys are screaming different things at Shohei Otani and <laughs> after the first inning I looked at the guys I was like he doesn't understand a thing that you're saying because he doesn't <laughs> speak any English. The only thing he understands is that you say his name. He has no clue what you're saying other than that because he has a, he has a translator that goes with him everywhere. Mm-hmm. So th- I thought that was hilarious. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He just probably grinned at everybody. He and- just smiles and waves. And, you know, he has absolutely no idea what you're saying. You know, he, awesome. he probably knows you know, some phrases, but when you're like, Shohei, you're my favorite baseball player on earth. He just looks and smiles and waves, and you know that he has no idea. Wow, wow. I, well, I, you know, you mentioned the the city um, and how how big of a tradition the series is, and I mean, it's the classic for them, right? It's a big deal. It's like Omaha for the NCAA. Um, seventy five years, you know, seventy five years, and um, so it's a beautiful town, right? It's an amazing town, and what you don't see on TV is it's actually cut into the side of a mountain. So the there's two baseball fields that um, are literally a mountain comes down and they cut into the mountain to build these fields. So you can't see that on TV, mm-hmm. but when you're standing at the bottom of the mountain looking up, you can see it and it is really cool. Wow. Let me tell you something about the weather. The weather, like, so we go in the regional and we're in Warner Robins, Georgia. It's 110 degrees. It's <laughs> so hot. <laughs> you're in swampland. Yeah. And then you go to Williamsport and it's just beautiful. Like, I don't know. Uh, no humidity. I mean, 72 it, degrees. It was, no humidity. It, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. So, yeah. It's like baseball heaven. It, it truly is baseball heaven. You know, you, the Field of Dreams game happened right during that whole process. We got to see that. And, you know, they when Kevin Costner went out there during that thing and at the beginning of the Field of Dreams game, and he said, "Is this, is this heaven?" And everyone said, "No, it's Iowa." And then yeah. he said, "Yes, it is heaven." <laughs> and that's how I felt walking onto that field, um, Lamedy Stadium, in, yeah. in Williamsport. Walking on that field is like, this is as close to heaven as you can get if you're a baseball fan. I mean, do people understand? So, Chris, you you both well, both you guys um, oversee fields here in Middle Tennessee. Um, and, um, if they're not AstroTurf, you guys have the best surfaces, um, in the state, um, for our age groups. Cause little, little fields are usually pretty rough, right? Um, yes. just because of budgets and other things like that alone, but the field looks great on television, mm-hmm. right? Is it that good? 
It's better. It's amazing. Uh, you, I just wanted to lay down and roll around in the grass. It's like <laughs> carpet. It's cut to a half inch long of the most beautiful green grass. I mean, the dirt is so soft. There's no hard spots, no holes, no lips, no. Mm -hmm. The mound is absolutely perfect. They fix it multiple times during the game, not just okay. after every game. They tamp it and things in the middle of the game if there's a hole. Wow. It's unbelievable. Bullpens, you know, you don't ever see bullpens like this. Right. Big dugouts at Lomedy. Gatorade, water, yeah. anything you could ask for in the dugout, a bathroom. The kids think the bathroom in the dugout's the coolest thing. <laughs> they all just want to go just because there is a bathroom in the dugout. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's – and then you look out and you see that hill mm -hmm. and the statues out there in the outfield, and it's it'll take your breath away. So I did um, – I had leaked a couple of, of the guests that we're going to have on, on the show on social, and um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody remembered you for the foo. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> For the food. That, so, was, that was terrible. <laughs> so in twenty thirteen the boys decided, hey, you need we need to do something different. So I cut a Fu Manchu out and we just started winning. So <laughs> it just stuck for uh twenty thirteen and then I brought it back again in twenty fourteen and we won again. So I was like, heck yeah. Um but then twenty fifteen we we lost in the region, so I, I hung up my foo. <laughs> it also got a little gray, so I was like, forget about it. it. it was, <laughs> well, for luck, it was great. For looks, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say that in 2013, Chris, when Chris went to the World Series, he I, I actually, my dad and I coached at St. Bethlehem Little League. We faced each other in the state tournament, and Chris mm -hmm. put us out of that tournament on his way to the world series i'm sorry randy thanks <laughs> <laughs> so they actually beat us in in during that whole process so uh so we faced each other one time i don't know if i knew that mm -hmm. i don't know if i knew that so um well, remember that's 2013 so chris had not even been to the world series yet so it wasn't even a story yet that's so, right you know this is an afterthought we actually did face each other okay um and i got out coached <laughs> I, can't, I admit it. <laughs> they were better. <laughs> I think we were a little bit better. <laughs> His 2013 might be the greatest team I've ever seen, most talented wise. Yeah, is that the what? What? Where? How did you guys finish that year? So you, tell tell everybody how you finished how you finished in in your three trips. So the, in 2013. Oh, don't bring that up. Oh God. All right. So 2013. Yeah, that team. Every first game of every tournament that we played in, we lost. For some reason. I don't know. He's talking about district tournament, state tournament, region tournament, and Williamsport. They lost the first game each. We lost the you, first game. If you game. lose two, you're out. It's double elimination. Okay. So they just like playing with their back against the wall um, because then we would come back and win. Like They would get mad, and we they would just want to win. So uh, we, we came all the way back. But like uh, when we got to the World Series, we lost that first game. Um, and then we won two games, uh, I think by run rule. Um, and then we lost, we lost the, the fourth game. So we went two and two that year. Um, the next year was the Monet Davis year. We played Monet Davis first game and 30,000 fans are cheering against us. And you saw her 
So they bring her back every year, right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So we we got to see her this last year. And I go up to her and I was like, you remember me? She was like, yes. <laughs> so, we saw her at the MLB Classic. We, we went and got, and, and I took a picture of him with her. Uh, how old is she now? She's a, um, a junior in college at Hampton University. She is a... Softball. She plays softball. She was a second baseman this past year. The current year, she'll be a shortstop, though. Um, Eligibility-wise, she's a sophomore. Grade-wise, she said she's a junior. So she's studying journalism, and she does the kid cast for for, uh, ESPN for the games, where they do a different cast for kids to watch. That's awesome. Watching how she handled all the exposure and... She's unreal. And press. Yeah, what an unbelievable um, young lady. Not only is she, she a stud, I mean, she she obviously could pitch. She could play. Yeah. Um, but she's an incredible human being. I mean, look at how she handled that press. She was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, mm-hmm. and she's still doing great. She's so sweet. And she laughed because I always that game is showed every single year. That game is shown on ESPN as a replay. Mm-hmm. They show it leading up to the World Series every year. And every year I remind Chris of the <laughs> fact that yeah, I get reminded by all my friends that we lost to the girl. So that's cool. Well, she's good. <laughs> there's no question the girl can play. Yeah. She's good. But we we sure do make fun of him a lot about it. And, then, <laughs> and this year, there was a Texas team had a um, had a girl on it, um, her uh, Ella Bruning. Uh, she was a catcher, but she also pitched. And when I met the Texas coach for the first time, I said, <laughs> can we make a deal that if by chance we do have to play each other, you won't throw Ella Bruning against us. And he's like, why? He, and I said, because we can't go down as the only two girl pitchers to pitch in the World <laughs> Series. We can't lose to both of them. Right? <laughs> we can't, that can't be our, our lasting rem- memory uh, is to lose to both of them. And he laughed and he said, deal. If, if by chance we play you, we won't throw her. <laughs> do, do you think that – so with Major League Baseball and ESPN and all these huge um, – um, corporations and, and and media sources behind this thing. Do people understand? Like I, they talk about the how the umpires are volunteer and 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 I will say that I know that they prep you guys a lot on like sportsmanship and um, because these are volunteer umpires, right? And it's great. So obviously they're 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 gauged or measured to have a certain level of 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 like expertise in what they're doing. But like, gosh, some of the stuff that you see on TV, you're like, oh no. And if that was the big leagues, somebody would be getting tossed. Like, so how does that? For work? sure, if it was the big leagues, we would have all got tossed. <laughs> because uh, you know the umpires do the best they can. Um, however, well, they're also in a, a, a little stressful area because they they know all the cameras are on. They're not loosey goosey like like normal when they're just doing a regular game and they're just they're hundred percent. But they can they they can see it. They know that. You know, we might do an instant replay on them. And, you know, they, they get a little bit it's, – so it's a little nerve-wracking for them. There's instant replay. You get two challenges a game. Two challenges a game. So yeah. are they calling New York? Who are they calling? Um, well, when you're in the region, it starts in the region that they have that replay. They It goes to Williamsport, and Williamsport has an official that watches the replay. When you're in Williamsport, it, they're right there. So they have their own set of officials that are in the booth ready to – watch okay uh, replay at any time um but you know you can't challenge balls and strikes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you can't challenge you know those kind of judgment calls you can challenge fair foul you can challenge out safe 
Um, but you cannot challenge balls and strikes. And that's where I would have gotten. Well, we actually, we actually won one. Our kid got hit by a ball. Hit by a pitch, and they, the umpire didn't see it. Didn't see it. I mean, and he's running to first, and they said, no, come back. And I was like, my kid just said he got hit. So we challenged it and won it. So that was pretty cool. Um, In my career, I've, <laughs> a, I've challenged uh, of the times that I've been to the region, and which is twice into the World Series, uh, I've won only two challenges out of the five that I've had. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So um, all the umpires are volunteers. True. Yes. How do you become an umpire? So, I mean, obviously there's probably, if you're an umpire in amateur baseball, that's probably like a bucket list. Mm-hmm. And you can only do it one time ever. Oh. Uh, except for this year, COVID year, they didn't want to have new umpires, so they brought guys that had been there before back. But historically, if you've gone once, you can't go back. So it's like a, it is a prestigious thing. And there is a process that you have to go to through to qualify. And that starts on the local level. Then you have to be suggested by a state. There's a state umpire mm-hmm. um, and a state administrator. So then you umpire in the state games where they um, evaluate you. If you do well in those evaluations, you're evaluated by another umpire who has been to the World Series. And then you're recommended to go to the region. And in the region, that's where you're truly evaluated by Williamsport. Gotcha. Got, so you, what you're saying is there's lobbyists <laughs> for yes. the umpires. You have, you have to have basically somebody sign on saying that you are a competent and, um, and qualified umpire. And whether they are or not, I have no idea. Uh, I will say the umpires do do a great job. They're yeah. fantastic up there. Um, don't have a ton of complaints. However, the strike zone was definitely something that. I mean, they're human and it's tough. I mean, you got these big hook curveballs that they've probably never seen before that these kids are talented. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's different. And you have all sizes at this age group too. I mean, we had, you know, four foot, nothing. And then we have six footers, you know, so. And it's 46 feet. And it's 46 feet. So 70, 70 miles an hour, 46 feet is it, fast. It's pretty tough to, to even make, you know, the right call every single time. So I, I even told, we, we tell the players, Hey, I mean, go, we're going to, the umpire gets one strike every single time. So let's not, you know, he, he he's get he's going to get one. You're not going to like it, but he's going to get one. So it try to help them get over, you know, that happening. Say, hey, we see this. So, you know what? Get over it. Don't let that ruin your at-bat and come back. And don't let that be the third strike. Yes, don't let it be the third Basically strike. what Chris tells the kids, and every year that I've coached with Chris since 2016, um, he tells them, you know, the umpire is going to make – what he's saying when he says they get one, they're going to make one call that you disagree with, at least one strike every at-bat. Mm-hmm. Don't let it be the third strike. That's right. And if you go into that knowing that I'm going to get one that I'm not that I'm not sure of or I don't agree with, it takes away the anger mm-hmm. when you do get it. It's an unbelievable life lesson anyways because uh, that's pretty much how – life works, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's undefeated in life and life's going to happen with you and you got goals and things that you want to set out to accomplish and and the winners, the people that are the happiest in life that hit those goals, no matter what life throws at them, they get it done, don't they? Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think that all of it, I think every bit of it translates, <laughs> that hit for you. <laughs> so I think every bit of, you know, what, what we coach and what we try to talk about um, extensively with the kids, I think it all relates back to life. Mm-hmm. So, that's actually a great um, a great little segment into um, 
the reason that like the reason that Little League exists, the reason you guys really do it, the reason I believe baseball is the greatest game on the planet um, is the life lessons that it teaches you along the way. And whether you get to play on the national stage or not, the, the life lessons are, are priceless and they're, there's, there's unlimited life lessons, right? So, cause the best person in the big leagues makes an out seven out of 10 times, right? Maybe, maybe six out of 10 if you're Ted Williams, but still mm-hmm. you're failing more than you're succeeding. Yeah. Right? Sometimes, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. You know, I think that's baseball is a perfect example of that. Overcoming. That's right. So, um, well, what, so the kids that get to go to the national stage like that, what are, what are some of the things that they get to take home life lesson wise um, that kids that don't? So like if the parent, the, the kids or the parents watching this that are sitting at home thinking, um, is Little League something that we should chase, right? So what are some of those lessons that you get that you don't get if you don't go to Williamsport? Well, baseball is one of those things that can rip, tear your heart right out of your chest. Uh, we, we witnessed that in the region. We, lost, we were up five to nothing in the sixth inning and gave up six runs with two outs and two strikes to lose to Georgia six to five. And then we had to play every single day and work our way back through the loser's bracket. But if you see that, what it teaches you is, is yes, it could rip our heart out. And yes, it is very disappointing and it will drive you mad, but you can't have scar tissue. Mm. You know, you can't carry that stuff with you. You got to move on to the next. Um, so the kids really learn a sense of perseverance. And they had, so the very next day, all I wanted to do, and Chris was saying, was let's just get back out on the field. Please just let us get that time in between us losing in such a heartbreaking walk off way to us getting back on the field, that was the longest part of any of the time we had. Mm-hmm. I wanted that 15 hours or whatever it was before we got to get back out on the field. I just wanted it to go by so fast so that we could get back out there and forget about. But that that game, we didn't do anything wrong. Like, we didn't give that game away by making an error or anything like that. That other team just got tons of hits and just they kept – they got hot and they got, you know, and they hit they hit it where we weren't. And sometimes in baseball, you just got to tip your cap mm-hmm. and just move on. And and actually, I think that was the best thing for our team to lose that game right then because we didn't have any more days off. And with the COVID thing, we need we'd rather be on the baseball field anyways than sitting in that hotel. Yeah. So um, so it was a wake up call. So that loss was a wake up call that set the stage for all. All right. Did I get one? You got one. <laughs> well, if you if you rewind the district tournament, we're facing Goodlettsville in what would have been the championship game if we won. Um, we we had already beat them once, and we we were up uh, five to two in the sixth inning. No, not five to two. Yes, they five. beat us five to two. No, we were up two to one. Two to one. We were up two to one in the sixth inning. Um, and we gave up a, a walk off grand slam to lose five to two. And we were what? No, two outs away from just putting them out from being district champs, and now, once again, heart ripped out on a walk off. Heart ripped out of our chest on a walk off. We got to come back the next day. Mm-hmm. We came back the next day and beat them two to nothing to win the district championship. To happen to us in um, in Warner Robins as well. You know, yeah. we had to come back. We had to win four more games after that one. So after we put we four states out. 
Yeah, we eliminated four states along the way. Hello. So when when you're in the winners bracket, you don't really eliminate anybody. When you're in the losers bracket, every game you play, your back's against the wall. But every team you beat, go home. They're packing. They're packing. Mm-hmm. Or if you lose, you're packing. You know? Exactly. So <laughs> along the trust me, along the way, we we upset some people. Yeah. <laughs> the West Virginia fans followed me all the way to the bus, wanting ready to ready to fight me. And that's, oh, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Little League had to escort me to the bus because they wanted to fight me. They didn't want to fight him because it, it was what the game was, by the way. A quick story on that team. Bring it. Quick story on the West Virginia team. So they have a kid that's like 6'2", 175 pounds. 200. Two, all, right, two, <laughs> two, all right, 200 pounds. And basically everybody knew him as, I mean, this kid's a stud. And you can just look at him. and so, uh, He hit balls over 300. Um and everything. So that kid was really good. The rest of his team wasn't, there weren't even close to that. So um, we decided to not let that one player beat us. So what we do? We walked him. Smart. Every time he got up the bat, we intentionally walked him. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't. So the other team yelled at us and were so mad that we intentionally walked their best player. Um, and we won the game, so they were very upset about it. That very upset. Still, but, to this day, they're still posting things. They post. They sent my mom messages. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, they have. They created graphics and everything. You go in with the game plan on how to win that game. Absolutely. We. That's that. That's what it was. So, we won the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> you remember, you remember um, years ago when they would walk Barry Bonds with the bases loaded? That that actually happened to that kid the game before us that we played West Virginia. North Carolina was up four to two, bases loaded. West Virginia's bases loaded. Surf Guerra comes up. His name is Surf Guerra, um, and he uh, they walked him with bases loaded to make it four to three. Struck out the next guy to win the game. So um, they were taking out their frustrations on all the teams. Yes, on us. On you yes. guys and. You, people were texting me. You could see them on TV saying they were going to meet me in the parking lot. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Youth sports, man. Oh, it was intense. It, it can get out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah, um, It's never the kids. It's always the parents. But yeah. then you, you beat a team like Georgia. We put Georgia out, and their entire fan base waited for us to clap for our kids when they came off the field mm-hmm. and wish us good luck. At, you know, after losing to them in that heartbreak and then beating them in the in the next one, I mean it, that that was a great great game and a good sportsmanship all the way around. Um, but and, got, and that's what you want. Yeah, right. the kids got to see the difference in reactions right. from one team to the next, which is great. And and you get to see which one do you want to be. You know, oh, I mean? for sure, you get to see exactly. Do you want to be this group or do you want to be the other group? And that team from Georgia, as well as the team from Florida. They were so graceful in defeat, yeah, uh, and and so nice about it. I, you know, I, I actually took the time to write letters to both of those little leagues, telling them how well their fans represented, because they only got to see what was on the field, right? From a distance, they didn't get to see what was off the field, and I felt c- compelled to write a letter because I was so impressed by the way they acted after they lost. Now that's that's a big one. You talk about parents. We've had we had several meetings before this even started, uh, because I knew how impact how everything was on edge 
Um, so one parent really can mess it up for the whole group. So you, you, if you have several meetings and talk about... Say that again, because <laughs> we talk about that in my uh, parent meeting when I'm doing I'm like, guys, this, the kids are going to... The, the experience here is good or bad, and it's, it's not the kid that decides. It's the parents, right? So parents, chill out, man. Yeah. Chill out. We had to talk about how we cheer. We had to talk about what's what, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable all the way. We we cut that off before it happened. Yeah, who's who's the coach and who's not? Right. Yeah, we're we're the ones on the field giving all this time, and then when the game starts up, it's not their time to, you know, say what they need to say or what they want to say. You know, so we we tell them way in advance. Now they understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and they trust us. Trust us now. You got to trust us at the end. We're not going to make all the right moves, but you know what? We're in this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, our fans were great. They listened. Fantastic. Uh, they were a great supporting staff all the way around. We we listened to them when they wanted to talk to us off the field at the right time. And uh, we, we hear them out. Everybody gets, has something to say, and, and that's fine. Um, but... Uh, we got through that and we had a great group of uh, parents, which all it takes, if you have one bad parent on a, on a, on a team, it, it can turn your whole, whole te- the whole team around and you can be represented as that's right, not the cool team. <laughs> yeah. And, and this year to, with COVID and all, we basically had their kids all the time. Mm-hmm. It could have easily went bad if you have mm-hmm. some bad parents, but we had awesome parents awesome community support you know so that's awesome we got to see the good side of it yeah i think a lot of that has to do with chris having done this before and gone through this process before he was very clear in the beginning of this is how we're going to approach this this is how we're going to handle these situations we're not going to be keyboard warriors online we're not going to bash other teams or start trouble with other teams we're going to let the coaches coach and Mm -hmm. let you be parents and if as long as everybody understood that yeah, he he just said it right there with the social media. Yeah, I mean you can do it anytime, anywhere, mm-hmm. and trying to say your opinion, and we 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 cut that off before they can do that too. So yeah, we value your opinion in private. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we don't we don't too much value it in the public eye, which we didn't have that problem. So. That's awesome. Well, the experience is king, right? In in anything, right? So it's um, you being there a couple times probably had held its weight in gold i would imagine i mean there's nobody better at it than chris I, i'll say that well the um you guys definitely had a good a great staff and and um it was just the organization you could tell how i mean honestly i thought playing um playing your bench is hard mm-hmm. the right way and i thought you guys did cuz you guys had an amazing bench you guys had some really good players coming off the bench Sure. And holy cow, like the way, like they actually talked about that um, on the national broadcasts about how great of a job you guys did with the, um, with the strategy of your bench and, well, and how to do that. Cause there's what, rules you're, yeah, you're dealing with. And the rules in little league, everybody, if you have 13 kids, everybody has to have one at bat. That's, um, hard, that's hard in a six inning game. You Especially got, you get a pitcher throwing it. It's really hard. Uh-huh. But, like our group of 13 kids all had certain roles here and there. And the, the best thing about this team, they understood their role and without all these kids are studs, right? Because they made the all-star team number one. So 
if they are on another team, they're used to batting in the three hole. Mm-hmm. All right. All of a sudden you're a sub. Uh, why am I not batting in the three hole anymore? They don't, it's hard for them to understand. Mm-hmm. So that is a, that was a big part of, of this team and uh, their attitudes um, on how, and how we, how are we going to win? Because we need everybody and we need good attitudes. So that was the, one of the biggest thing is, is, is trying to find everybody's role that to let them know that they're going to get a pl- they're going to get the play. They're going to get that at bat and it's going to be a big at bat. Yeah. So, um, we had some kids, we had a couple kids, they bat their first time and then they came out of the game and they won't hit again, but they would get to play defense. Mm-hmm. We had kids that were sitting the bench that came in to hit for those kids that did really that hit with power yeah. here and there. So we had defensive specialists. We have some guys that can hit. We had, we had a couple guys that can run Yeah, that we uh, put in just to run. Um, so our card, I would go to the, to the umpire and do the changes, and it would be every inning doing something here or there, and all the kids knew that just to be ready. Right. So uh, That's another life lesson, right, because – all great companies are built of lots of people or a team and everybody understanding what their role is. And that's managing expectations. How often does that happen? It's man, it's, it's rare and it's hard. And, and, um, every company that, or business that doesn't make it, it's usually internal. They're, they, they, they implode from the inside out. And, uh, you guys getting ahead of that, the kids learning that now, like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, do your job. That's it's on, it's everywhere in their locker rooms. That's, that's their whole thing is just do your job mm-hmm. and do it great. And then everybody else, that's what a team does is everybody doing their jobs and it comes together to make one great mission or one great job. Well done. Right. So yeah, that's, our, a, that's our, a great life lesson. Our motto from day one was one team, one dream. Mm-hmm. And we had to, we wanted to make sure everybody understood that what one team means. Yeah. And. Of course, having 13 players that are all studs makes our job easier, yeah. you know, because you don't have to be like, oh, no, we're going to put Nick Heider in the bat and it's going to be an automatic out. What do we do? <laughs> it was. No, <laughs> not really. You know, so. But 12-year-olds, you know, 12-year-olds, it's that's hard for them to realize, to understand that. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And we also had to talk to the parents as well as, you know, hey, support this with your kid. Because right. if they go, no, you're the best player, Johnny. You're the best player. You know, it, it doesn't help. Hold it, on. <laughs> That's a big one, right? Yeah. Support the coaches and support your kid, but also help help them understand that there is a role to play, that they can they can be there. And there's a, there was a, so many times in so many games that we put that kid in for a big, a big, big, big at bat. Right. And – we asked them to do this or do that. So everybody had their chance to be a superstar. And, you know, there was several of them that, that t- took advantage of it. Even on the big league level, you look at – so everybody there is good, right? And even then, you'll set, you'll look at a 10-game stretch and the lineup's never the same. So it was that, that uh, Jeff Forehand used to say to us in college, he's got to put the best nine out there for that game, not the nine best. Correct. Right. The best nine for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. So, well, all right. So as we bring this thing to a close, what are any other, any other experiences or stories that we didn't get to today that the, that the folks would want to know about that you guys would want to share? What have we, what have we missed anything? Like, well, uh, you said the hill, the, the, the hill. that's an awesome story, by the way. Yeah. All right. You got it. So <laughs> the, the hill is iconic in Williamsport. You okay. see every year you see kids sliding down in cardboard boxes. 
Well, this year we were not allowed to go to the hill because of COVID protocols, because fans are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were told, no, you can't go. You can't go. So we, the day after we lose, our boys still had not been down the hill. We weren't really talking about it, but we knew that everybody wanted to do it. Then it rains and the game get that was going on gets canceled or postponed and they clear the stadium. There's nobody on the hill. There's nobody in the seats. And Chris says, boys, get your, get your swimsuits on. We're going to the hill. Everybody is super excited. They get on the hill and I thought, what better way to get over a loss than to go slide, slide down the hill. Uh-huh. Well, now the hill's wet. So it's even more fun. Oh. <laughs> As, as we're walking back, we see the Pennsylvania team, and they said, we're right behind you. <laughs> they come out, and they're ready to go to the Hill. Florida team, who we had gotten to know because we faced them in the Southeast region too, they get their swimsuits on. And now we got three teams out there having the best time. Two of us have just – all three of us lost that day. Mm-hmm. All three of those teams had lost, and those kids could have cared less whether they won, lost. It didn't matter. They were having the time of their lives sliding down that hill. And you didn't need no board. You didn't need cardboard that day. You didn't know. The- <laughs> it, was, it, it was even better because it was like super, super sized <laughs> down that hill, man. And so much fun. We, we even did the coaches, our coaches against the Florida coaches race down the hill and Chris won. That's all. Awesome. Of course. Against no. the Florida. <laughs> but they, they all got to go down the hill. And I think if you ask our kids what they remember most, they're not going to talk about playing on the field. They're not going to talk about wins, losses. They're not going to talk about regional championships. They're going to talk about they got to slide down the hill in Williamsport <laughs> and they got free gear. They got free gear. <laughs> and the food. The food was good. And the food was amazing. So there's another story that nobody really knows that I think is so cool of an experience that we had is we, we win the region in – in um, Warner Robins, Georgia, there was a biker rally in that town that the next day. So there were no hotel rooms and we weren't allowed to go back home. So we had nowhere to go. So we had to get on a bus and take it to the first town that had, that had a hotel available. We end up in Forsyth, Georgia. Where? I don't know. (laughs) Ask ask me where it is on a map. Not the slightest clue. Forsyth, Georgia, because that's the first hotel outside of Warner Robins. It's 45 minutes outside of Warner Robins that had a hotel available because this huge biker rally. So we're in the middle of nowhere. We have nothing to do, nowhere to practice, no fields, no cars. Can't go anywhere. We're just stuck in this town until the next day the bus is going to pick us up at 4 a.m., Drive us to Williamsport. So y'all had to get kids on a bus at 4 a.m. Let me just. Yes, that. but we had, a, we arrived one night. We don't leave until two nights later. So we basically have like 28 hours in this town of Forsyth. So during that day, the next day, we, we don't have anything to do. The kids are bored. There's no field to practice on. We can't, we have no vehicles. We got dropped off by a bus. We're waiting on another bus the next morning. Oh my word. So we take the kids to, we're going to go play wolf ball. So we walk to this open field where we think that we're going to be able to practice. And we're told we can't, we, we were just going to play a game. And the people that lived in that home didn't want us there. Down the road, there is a fire station. So Chris takes the boys to the fire station because we have nowhere else to go. And they these people don't even know who we are. They have no clue about Little League Baseball. Don't understand what we've been through. 
and the chief there um, moves all the cars out of the way and allows us to have home run derby in the parking lot of a fire department in Forsyth, Georgia. That's amazing. <laughs> Not only that, he let the kids climb all over the truck, uh-huh. hang out on the truck, get pictures, um, and have a blast that day in the parking lot of the fire department in Forsyth. You know, and I'll always remember that. Absolutely. And he, not only that, after that, remember, we couldn't go anywhere to get any food or anything. He, the kids all walked back to the hotel. He drove me in the fire truck to Moe's to be able to get food and then drove me back to the hotel. So I got to ride with the, the chief, the fire chief <laughs> in the fire truck to Moe's to get burritos for the, or quesadillas for the entire <laughs> wow. team. And he drove me back. For, I got Forsyth. Forsyth, Georgia. Well, big shout out to the fire department of Forsyth, Georgia. I'll <laughs> never forget it. Those guys, mm-hmm. they were so kind to us and had, had had no idea. They knew they would never see us again. Right. I get a text in the middle of the World Series that said, hey, I'm watching you from the chief of the fire chief of Forsyth, Georgia. That's amazing. Pretty cool. That is amazing. Yeah, it's a story that, you know, we started journaling that night mm-hmm. so that they'll remember that, but no one will see, that's not on TV or that's not absolutely a lot of little things that happen behind the scenes. Well, it shows good people of some town that I don't even know where it is on a map, you know? Mm-hmm. So anything else, any other stories um, about the experience that the folks need to know um, before we, before we, cause uh, before we bring this thing to a close, you guys have been awesome, by the way, this has been a blast. Thank um, you. Well, we appreciate you having us. I mean, the whole, this whole experience has been unbelievable. Um, but I, I just, if we had a story to tell, the story would be, um, you know, for most kids that play little league baseball or youth sports, they can dream about going to the world series and playing, but really that dream is more of a fantasy. They'll never have the chance to get there. But when you play in our league with us, it is a reality. I mean, there's a real chance that that dream can come true. Mm -hmm. It's expected, isn't it? It is. They go every year. They want to. I mean, when you've been when your league has been three times in a decade, there is a real shot that mm. you can make it. So if you um, if you dream it, it can happen. It really can <laughs> happen. It can happen if you surround yourself with the right people. That's a fact. Right. That's Do fact. the work and put yourself in a position where if you if if you execute, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. You know, a lot of that's on the parents. Get get your kids out there and play little league, man. It's not all about the best travel ball team. It's not all about Cooperstown mm-hmm. where you pay to go. Right. This is truly win or go home mm. in your own community. That's right. Get your kids out there and play little league mm. or youth sports. So, um, well, heck, man, winter winter signups for Nolensville Little League. They start uh, December. In December. December, yeah. You can sign up on um, online. Nolensville, you can go on Facebook, Nolensville Little League. Yep. Okay. Nolensville Little League on Facebook. Um, great place, great place to enroll. So how, how young they, the age groups, uh, they start at five, six, three, three. Okay. They start at three. Mm-hmm. Non-competitive T-ball is three. <laughs> right. <laughs> then, uh, and then it goes up from there. So, awesome. uh, but, so from six all the way to 14, I mean, three all the way to 14, three all the way to 14. Outstanding. So, all right. So first of all, at the, um, you know, this podcast is um, we're 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 filming our first episodes, and and I couldn't have thought of anybody. The timing was perfect because um, because of you you guys just getting back, and I knew that uh, I knew that we'd be able to sit around and 
and and tell some stories and and entertain the folks and it would be good but um so Randy before we go I want to make sure so you got people can't only know you as the little league guys I mean I guess they could but you guys do some great things outside of that as well I guess there's um, worse things you could be than the little league guy that's, absolutely <laughs> I'll take that so well Randy is uh so I got a little bit on my I'm a little one shooters here so uh, Randy's a former bar owner turn candle maker who also coached better, Little League Baseball. You better slow down and say that again. That's right. People didn't mishear that. <laughs> Former bar owner turned candle maker. That's a fact. I'm right. a, I am a candle maker in my uh, my real life. Candle maker in real life. Actually, you make a lot more than just candles. There's a lot of stuff in, in my office here that we're sitting in that you literally handcrafted, um, whether they are candy dishes out of glass or some amazing lamps. Lamps, oh my candy goodness. dishes, candles, lights, shot glasses, glasses, anything you can think of. I make it out of uh, a glass uh, glass bottles and turn them into really neat things and ship them all over the world. And that's uh, J3 Bottling Company. J3 Bottle Company. J3 Bottle Company. And that's all over social media. All over social media. Um, at J3 Bottle Co. Mm-hmm. Right. Excellent. Okay, good. Um, so check that out. Um, if they're wanting Christmas orders, they're probably, they're, you're taking 2023 Christmas orders. <laughs> <laughs> now, the good thing is, is I put my shop on vacation during this whole Little League thing. So I'm pretty caught up. So go ahead and push your orders. <laughs> right on. So um, you're taking orders now for Christmas. But like I know, because we're, we used to be those people that hit you up after Thanksgiving. It's like, hey, we need a favor and the line's really long. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I'll squeeze you in, but but yeah, <laughs> orders are coming in like crazy. Orders are coming in like crazy. Um you can also um you can also uh, so tell somebody was asking me about uh, your your personal social moon pie moon pie hooth. Um is some of those things. So I mean, that's a simple explanation, but they need to know. Yeah, uh, well, the I was on the radio for a long time. Mhm. So and uh, people think that I love moon pies, but that's really not the case. But they are awesome. Yeah, moon pies are awesome, and they are from Tennessee. <laughs> um, but you, you can follow me on my social medias at, at Moon Pie Hooth. <laughs> Find me on Twitter, Instagram. You got me. Absolutely. So uh, check out Randy at Moon Pie Hooth and uh, at J Three Bottle Co. You definitely want to check out uh, the, uh, some of the stuff that he's put together on there. And then uh, Chris Mercado, um, Chris. Um, so. You are you run the Music City Baseball Complex here in Middle Tennessee. Um, you're obviously you're still coaching your kids and stuff like that, but you host a lot of tournaments and events, um, whether it be movie nights at the park, um, some amazing some of some of the best travel tournaments in in Middle Tennessee, um, twelve and under, right? Mm-hmm. Twelve and under, and I know you've got a pretty pretty hectic fall schedule. I think you got a tournament this weekend, do you not? Yeah, we got a jamboree this weekend to trying to kick off the fall. And, uh, yeah, just really tournaments in the fall and spring and summer, mm-hmm. um, pretty much every other weekend. I mean, every weekend, um, for any travel teams, nine through 12. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, uh, those, those, so there's two fields at music city. They're, um, they're, they're as nice as they get in town. It's a great experience. Um, I know you take great care of those and, um, and I know your, your events are probably full already for the fall, but if anybody needed to get squeezed in, how would they, how would they sign up? So first of all, um, music at music city baseball on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook at music city baseball, um, not to be confused with the major league team they're trying to get (laughs) here. Right. Um, right. But so if they want to do, um, they wanted to come and, and play in one of your events this fall, how would they do that? Well, we post all our tournaments on Tourney Machine. Uh, it's just an app where you can just look up where any tournaments are in, in, in the middle of Tennessee area. So mm-hmm. just look up Music City Baseball, and you can see where what age group we're hosting that weekend and sign right up. 
Excellent. So they can sign up. The tournament's going to run basically through Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then they shut down until it's warm enough in February to basically start get out. back in March. And they're there only 200 bucks a team. Yeah. For some of the best tournaments that you can play in with Absolutely. awesome concessions, you know, grass infields. Mm-hmm. His complex is beautiful. It's, it's amazing. I know um, I'm, I'm actually there with my team tonight um, getting some work in. So okay. we're going to be there this evening. It's going to be a good time. And, uh, and uh, you can check out uh, Chris also is personal at Chris Mercado 6 on on the instagram on instagram <laughs> and and uh and all the other social media stuff so um guys thanks again so much for uh for being here today with me um had an abs- had an absolute blast we're here at the hit lab in uh, in middle tennessee folks thanks so much for hanging out with me your host nick Heider, on the hit streak podcast come back we got some great guests lined up for you come back soon fellas thanks again wave bye to everybody Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Hey, we'll see you soon.